Hello and welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. I am tonight's co-host, Bernie Torres from Howell, New Jersey, studying film and television, and I'm an RA at Weinstein Hall. And I'm Tom Ellett, the other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Welcome, Bernie, and how is life in Weinstein Hall, the concrete jungle? Where dreams are, in fact, made of. I think being in a freshman dorm is definitely an experience, but it's one I truly adore. Now, you weren't a student in Weinstein in your freshman year. No, I lived in Brittany my freshman year, so this is like my first experience with Weinstein. Wow. And three dining halls, a favorite one for you? Oh, I love Upstein. You can't go wrong with Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. You can't go wrong. The fries are too good. Now, television and film. Yes. What do you hope to accomplish in your career? I'm focusing in on writing and directing. Ultimate dream for any filmmaker is to win an Oscar, so we'll see how that one goes. Full confidence in you, full confidence. But I wanna make things that make people think and, and impact their lives. Being an RA, have you gotten any fodder for future projects? Definitely a little bit, yes. I will have to change names in certain situations, but I've definitely, I definitely have quite a bit of material. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing and watching your material someday on the big screen. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> so what do you have for me tonight? Today our guest is Teresa Lee, who served as an RA in Palladium Hall for Katrina Lee and Stacey Ulrich and graduated in 2011. Welcome, Teresa, and thank you for joining us for today's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I do have to say I have a bone to pick because Tom called me old when I said that you're a graduate. Oh, and I, you yeah. know, working in Hollywood, it's a very sensitive issue of being an older woman. So, But you don't look it. I was going <laughs> to actually say you look like you're 21. You really oh, do. Thank you. you. Well, now you can't take it back now. It's, it's what well, the damage is done. So <laughs> I'm going to go get plastic surgery when I go back, and you know this yeah, is going to happen. No, it won't. <laughs> I guarantee it won't. So where are? What are you doing now? Tell us what, what you're doing. Sure. I do stand up, so I do comedy kind of full time, and then I write during the day to make money for shows. Right now, I'm writing for a YouTube show called Good Mythical Morning. It's sort of like a variety in the vein of late night, but just like the games. So you're nodding. I, I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with it. Some people know it really well. Some, no, most yeah. people I know have never heard of it, but it's it's a fun show to work on. So Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple episodes. It's, oh, cool. It's, it's awesome, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm out in L.A. So you're doing bi-coastal? Yeah, I come back to New York. Actually, I try to come back a few times a year. This year I only came back two times because I got pretty busy, but I wouldn't say I'm bi-coastal. I'm not going back and forth so much, but usually like if a job comes up, I'll come out here. So stand-up, what is that like? I didn't actually do stand-up in college, but actually I do have a story that has to do with being an RA about how I got started in stand-up. I would work at the desk and then talk to the residents that came by, and then one of my residents, he's actually a stand-up, and he was doing it while at school, but I wasn't. His name's Alex Edelman, if anyone's listening. He's pretty successful. He won like a newcomer award at Edinburgh Fringe one year. Last now, name? Alex Edelman is his name, yeah. Shout out Alex Edelman. But he was one of the residents at Palladium when I was an RA, and he would stop by the desk, and we kind of chat and have funny conversations. And I knew he was a comedian, so he'd test out jokes. He would, like, schedule tweets. This was, like, early Twitter when people weren't quite using it to get jobs or anything yet. But he said he would try to make at least three jokes a day on Twitter. And then I thought that was a great idea, and I had just started with Twitter, so I was like, oh, maybe that's a good exercise. I'll try it. I want to be a writer. And so kind of that conversation got me to look into stand-up more and try writing jokes. So it was like my early days of like writing jokes. I didn't try stand-up till I graduated college, but he kind of got me into writing jokes. So that was because I was an RA. 
So. Wow, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Do you get as much fodder for your kind of work as a future producer? And uh, people think I'm funny on my staff, which is nice. I do get a lot of material definitely from working as an RA. You want to be a stand-up comedian? I mean, I would love to do stand-up, but I'm, I'm more of like a film and television writing, directing. Okay, cool. Comedic shorts of that nature. The cool thing about living in New York is you can just, there's so many open mics if you want to do stand-up. I wish I knew about it. If, if anyone listening wants to do stand-up and you go to NYU, I would say just go to a mics because I didn't know about it when I was here. And I feel like I missed so many years of being able to get ahead, which is fine. Everybody's on their own journey. But I'm like, I wish I did it when I was in school. I could have just been the wonderkind or something. But you did other <laughs> things extracurricular. I did. I danced. I was on like three dance teams. We traveled and uh, com- pr- were pretty serious about it. So I sort of filled up my time with that. With one of my favorite NYU students. Mike, yes, and I'm staying with him right now, actually. We just got brunch. He was one of my residents, too, on the the dance floor. I didn't realize that. How has the RA position kind of, like, impacted your career, besides, like, obviously sparking your interest in Uh in stand-up comedy? What aspects of the RA job has carried over? I love being an RA. It's funny, because RAs, I I feel like I always get a bad rep in media, because it's like, oh, what a narc. But I I think, like, it's great for crisis management, especially in a city like NYU. I mean, there's always things that come up. I mean, there's, like, serious issues that come up and that we have to be well-trained for. And I think being an RA prepared me for that. And I worked as a producer for a while doing like comedy stuff. So you have to have that skill, just being able to solve a problem on the spot and not freak out and manage personnel. Being an RA really trained me for that. And then also on the other end, just like dealing with people, I think the res ed was really good about training you with language and being inclusive and also just being aware of everybody's backgrounds being different. Because now there's like obviously the big woke movement online and everything, which is great. Being in res ed, it was a lot about learning why we have to use our language better, not just so I can be a good person, but because you want to include everyone. Well, how do you keep the language without making people be feel offended because of who they are, uh-huh. but yet still try to be funny, right? There's a line there. Oh, sure. I know some people are like, oh, you have to watch what I say. I don't really come from that camp, but I think also being like a queer woman of color myself, it helps to just have that experience. Whereas I know uh, if you don't have a lot of friends who are diverse and you have to be aware of that, it, it may be more of a learning curve. Which I think that's fine. I think we also have to allow for people to grow, which I think Res Ed was great about because when I started as an RA, you know, we we're pretty much young kids. So being told like, oh, this might be offensive, like saying, hey, guys might be offensive to a group of people. I had never heard that before. So I was like, wait, what? Like I say that all the time. But just being open to it. As an RA, it's your job. So we were more receptive. Whereas I can see as an adult, if you feel like fixed in your ways, you might be like, oh, I don't want to change. So it definitely helped me be receptive to hearing criticism and and not worrying about being wrong and just being able to listen and be like, okay, cool. If you're offended by that, I'll change what I say. Absolutely. And I think in I'm not in the entertainment industry right now, but I'm hoping to be. And just navigating even on a collegiate level is difficult. Choosing your words properly, mm-hmm. knowing what to say, knowing what you can say, what you shouldn't say, just all of, all of that, it's... It's very tricky to navigate, but I think the fact that these discussions are happening and we're talking to each other, and I think, like you said, being an RA really does help facilitate those conversations. It's very important that we're having them, and I'm glad that we are. Yeah.
Absolutely. Now you talked a little bit about being on an explorations floor sure. earlier. Maybe you could talk about the exploration floors that you had worked on. Yeah, I had two explorations floors. I had a dance floor and then I had a anime focused floor, but we kind of looked at Japanese culture in general. They were really fun because at explorations you got a little bit of a budget to do more programming and then people I think have to apply to get in. So because of that, Everybody's a little bit passionate. I mean, I know it can be hard to get people to come to programs. Just so much going on. It's New York City. You're competing with the entire city. So definitely it was fun to have people who are already excited about the topics. And then I, I was pretty good about just asking people what they wanted to do. Like, what, we went to Comic-Con one year because people wanted to go. So I was like, great. That's not something I've ever had experience with, but if the residents want to go, let's do it. And then, you know, if they suggest it, they'll come. Comic-Con, that's, a, that's an awesome one. That's awesome. So the dance floor, had you had interest in dance prior to this, experience in dance prior to this? Yeah, I was a dancer. I danced on a couple teams. I don't know if they're still at NYU, but I was on a hip-hop team called IFA and then Epic Motion, which I think may have moved off campus, and another one I think that shut down while I was there called Hip Top, which is part of the Korean Student Union. So I did a lot of dance, and I was on Pulse. I think I was on four teams, actually. It was a lot. <laughs> I, was, I did a lot of things while I was in school. So I w was very passionate about dance. And I also, for me, I was like, this will be a cool way to go see dance, because part of the floor was going to see live performances. So we went to the New York Dance Festival. Oh, shout out to my co-RA, Cesar Francia. He was great, and he brought in a friend who taught salsa to do a private lesson for the residents. So that was really fun, because I got to learn salsa. That's so. amazing. Great experience for you, to, especially to share with the residents. Yeah. Because I bet you there were some people who really weren't into that particular kind of dance. Right. I mean, I'd never done it before, but everybody was open to it. And it was sort of more of a safe space. Like, it might be scary to go take a class with, you know, professionals. So we were all sort of coming from this beginner point of view. Right. Talk to us a little bit about motivation in terms of finding what's funny. How do you find your mm -hmm. what you want to talk about? Especially stand-up. That's tough. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't even think I'm very funny off stage. I got into stand-up because I wanted to be a writer. I studied dramatic writing at NYU, and then I interned at Late Night with Jimmy Fallon when I was there. And all the writers there said if I wanted to write for TV, comedy specifically, that I should do stand-up and take classes at UCB. So that's kind of how I got into it. But how I write, I kind of just write like what I think is funny. I try not to think too much about what other people think is funny. And then just over time, the two have meshed a little bit. Because you try stuff out on stage that you think is funny, and sometimes it doesn't work. And then you're like, okay, there's a Venn diagram of what I find funny that also my audience finds funny, and that's sort of where I focus on. I remember hearing you on the Put Your Hands Together podcast. Yeah, I did that a few times. The last one I did, Conan O'Brien was on it, which was pretty cool. Oh, yes, yeah. that's the most recent episode <laughs> I heard, yeah. What's it like just being recognized by these comedians who are in the business, uh -huh. kind of pretty famous. I'd like to say they're pretty famous. The interactions with them. What was the experience like for Put Your Hands Together? Well, that's a, also a live show that's right. at UCB. So I did a lot of UCB here in New York after college. Again, I wish I did it when I was in school, but I didn't. And actually, a lot of my friends I met in stand-up after I graduated who went to NYU did all the comedy things like Hammercats, Chess Club, all Getchin improv groups and now are like writing for SNL and doing very well. It's funny because I'm like, oh, I wish I knew you guys when I was in school, but I kind of started a lot later than them. But yeah, I did UCB, so going when I moved to LA, I sort of 
fell into that community. So it kind of felt natural to do those shows. So that's sort of a show, that, that's a show at UCB Franklin, which is also recorded as a podcast, if you guys aren't familiar with it. Cameron and Rio were great. They're really good about fostering like new talent. I did a show at the comedy store that Rio was on, and that's how I met them, and they invited me to do Put Your Hands Together. Oh, that's awesome. After seeing me. I did a co-star on their show, which was on CISO, which died. RIP. NBC had briefly tried to do this Oh. streaming platform yeah take yeah. my wife take my wife yes yeah. I, I was able to do a little co-star on that so <laughs> now that the network tv is is certainly having its hard times uh-huh. where do you see avenues for you and other comedians to kind of be employed long term is it the youtubes of the world is it netflix is it something yeah else? maybe i mean i know people writing for apps i think we're sort of just comedians sort of float around and uh take what jobs people want to give us. There's always going to be a need for entertainment. I think even if you trace all the way back to Shakespeare or even Homer, Odyssey, you know, people told stories and want to consume stories. So in terms of traditional media jobs dying, that might be true, but I think it'll transition into something else, whatever that may be. I write for YouTube right now, and it's run like a writer's room. There's a showrunner and head writer and a team of writers, so it doesn't feel too different from traditional media, except for the fans are a little bit younger skewing, and they are a little bit more savvy with technology. And are people streaming in, in terms of the comedy room, like in the room itself to write? Uh No, we go in the room. Yeah, it's still old school, but it depends. I mean, sometimes people, uh, there are shows that have remote. It tends to just be a budget thing. Sometimes the showrunner will just run the room and, you know, send drafts to people. I did punch up for a show, I think, where they just, uh, I wasn't a staff writer, but they just brought in some comedians to make it funnier and add some jokes to it. And so then stuff like that, you go on for a few days as opposed to working for a few weeks. So I think it just depends. I'm curious, from your perspective, diversity in Hollywood and comedy and all of that right now, on the sets that you go on, Mm -hmm. the sets that you work on, do you find that you work better with certain people over others? Like, do you feel like people are listening to you? Because I know I've had some interactions where I'm on some sets and I'm maybe not listened to the most because of my gender or anything like that. So I'm curious about your experiences with that. Well, sure, there's always like overarching discrimination, but I think you have to think about it on on like two levels because it's like you want to fight for equality, but also if you're constantly like while you're on set angry, it's really hard to get anything done. So I I try not to think about it too much like when I'm working. Mm -hmm. I definitely still participate and, you know, I I go to, I'm, I'm part of community groups groups that definitely work for change and and so I think it's important to get involved on that level but in terms of like showing up to work I I think just you know doing your best work and making yourself heard and if if you do feel like some sometimes yeah you might meet someone particularly nasty then it's handling that on a case-by-case basis because if you if you try to do too big picture all the time I think it could get a little tricky but obviously it is part of the game a little it's sort of wanting to work for change but also knowing when to just work. Mm-hmm. What are you most proud of, of the things you've done so far? I just uh, I just shot a short film that I wrote. I'm editing it right now that I'm uh, pretty pretty excited about. I produce a lot of stuff for other people. This is the first thing that I wrote that was longer form that I'm acting in and I'm really excited about. It feels like a very personal story, so we'll be excited to share that when it comes out. When When is it coming out? I think we're going to submit it to festivals. I'm not sure. We're going to wait a little bit. So it might, it might not be available for another year, but... Okay. We'll yeah. be looking out for it. Okay, cool. Absolutely. So I think we are going to head into our speed round. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Our Broadway show you went to as a student. I went to Chorus Line. That was the first one I think I ever went to. 
Favorite tradition at NYU? I liked Welcome Week because I remember watching Spring Awakening cast perform in the Gold Plaza, and that was really cool as a freshman to see. Any celebrity sightings? Favorite celebrity sighting? Oh, I once saw Haley Joel Osment outside of my classroom, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. Best dining hall? God, it's been so long, I don't know. I, I like Chick fil A. Yes, yes. <laughs> right there. Oh. Shout I mean, out to I live in the Palladium. It depends on the time of day. Palladium brunch, obviously, for the weekends. Third North had okay food. It was close by. Uh, but yeah. Oh, and then U-Haul had those taco bowls. Ooh, so, taco bowls. They don't have yeah. those anymore. And you could no, put portobello no. mushrooms. Yeah, because I think maybe it was very expensive. But you can ask for portobello mushrooms, which is expensive, and they would put that in there. Finally, what mm. was your most memorable experience as an RA? There were so many. I, I think for me, the one-on-ones were always really memorable because I got to know my residents really well. Like, I have some residents I still keep in touch with. Like... One of my residents, I remember telling me she wanted to work in editorial, and I was giving her advice on an internship, and she ended up writing for Variety and then being a screenwriter, and it was cool to sort of see that from her questioning, like, I don't know if I'm interested in this, what should I do, to be able to give her advice and then just actually watch her have that become her career. So that was cool. Good job. Teresa, thanks so much for spending time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the dream school alumni version of life. (laughs) Teresa, it's really great to see you and reconnect. We look forward to seeing you on the screen or on podcast or wherever you are. Oh, can I plug my podcast? Please do. Plug it. I have a podcast. It's called You Can Tell Me Anything, and it's comedians confessing secrets that they've never told anyone before so it's available on apple Podcasts. will we find out your secret i am very open and honest on the podcast so i tell a lot of secrets well thank you again and thank you bernie for being with us and special thanks to juliana fonseco alessa who is our engineer for today's episode and to the current professional staff and the alums like stacy ulrich and katrina lee who developed these wonderful alums to be who they are today if you like the show look for more content on the website and if you want to know ari's favorite books go to whatthey'rereading.blogspot.com. Do you remember your favorite book? Probably Alice in Wonderland. I feel like I used to say that a lot. (laughs) All right. Finally, feel free to tweet to me or Teresa or to Bernie. You on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Okay, there you go. What's your Twitter account? (laughs) At Bernie underscore underscore T. Hit me up. And Teresa? I'm at Larissa T, -T L-E-R-E-S-A-T-E-E. And until next time, try to make more smiles and laughs in your community as much as Teresa does. Thanks for being. Thank you. Take care now.